This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share his love. In this extremely divided and tumultuous time in our culture, Pastor Ryan Bibb and Pastor Josh Herma believed it was going to be very important for us to have some brief discussions on politics and faith. Today, they dive into the deep end of the pool to talk a little bit more about the history of our country. Is the United States of America a Christian nation? Here's Josh and Ryan with more. Well, hey there. Good morning. This is Pastor Josh Harima here with my co-host, Pastor Ryan Bibb. Hi, everyone. For episode 36 of Radiant Reflections, uh, if you watch the video, you're like, wait a minute, you guys are wearing the exact same clothes? This is in episode 35. You're right, because we just recorded episode 35 like 10 minutes ago. Uh, so we we didn't change set. We didn't change our outfits. Uh, this is just the real us. We talked about being real in the circle in the last episode. This is us being real. We didn't change uh, just because the episode number did. So That's right. There it is. We get to venture down a new alley in this episode. Yes, and I want to be I want to be fully transparent and vulnerable here with you guys. Uh, both Pastor Ryan and I we're pretty nervous about this. I, I mean, yeah, I, pretty maybe an understatement. I'm really nervous. <laughs> so, so here's the deal: uh, we are going to have over probably over the rest of the month of October, leading into Election Week, a series of podcast episodes about uh, when when faith and politics collide. I don't know, maybe not collide, but, but in a sense, how, how can we be like Jesus when it comes to politics? Now, I have a couple of disclaimers here. Disclaimer number one, neither Ryan nor I have degrees in political science. Like, we're not experts on our government, Right, unless you not secretly a, not at all. We are not experts in the law or government at all. We are not constitutional historians. Um, I mean, we're not any of those things. We're a couple of pastors trying to help be like Jesus in all aspects of their life, including politics. Disclaimer number two: Don't just take our word for it. Right, I mean, we're we're trying to bring things to the table. Uh, I mean, and we've been, you know, I've been reading just different books, stuff like that, you know, to to try to get varying perspectives on faith and politics. Uh, do not just take our word for it. Uh, do research, examine the evidence, um, but in all of that, engage this with uh, both your mind open and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You want to add anything to our disclaimers? I do. I can, as viewers and listeners, listen and view with a posture of gentleness and openness. Which is how we want to. Hopefully, we can come. We can come at this. We with want that same to be posture. very gentle and open um, in this conversation, and I think this is why we have to have disclaimers. Is because we live in. A political system today that is extremely polarizing, extremely opposite ends. Um, our political system right now in America is not good as far as these two political parties working together. They are so polarized. They are, uh, I'll just say it, I think both parties are very mean <laughs> right now. And uh, we need to come together. 
We need more where Republicans and Democrats look more similar with the small disagreements, but looking out for the better of the citizens of this country. And so that's why we have to dance with this lightly because it is so polarizing right now. But this is also why we're doing what we're doing in this faith and politics um, episodes to follow this month is because it has become so polarizing. So how do we as followers of Jesus live out our faith when it comes to politics, especially in a time that's so polarizing as we are facing today? Right. And, and really, this, this series of, of episodes is born out of uh, our frustration, not just right now. I mean, but I think it's been growing for, for a while, like a, a growing frustration with the way uh, that followers of Jesus interact with uh, our government, you know, whether it be the officials, you know, policies, uh, and just how chaotic election seasons have become and and unfortunately, there are a lot of times when you when you see uh, such drastic polarization, and, and you know Ryan said people are just downright mean. Uh, unfortunately, there there don't seem to be a lot of differences many times between the way followers of Jesus uh, do that and the way people who don't follow Jesus do that, and that is that's troubling. To us, I mean, as people who say, man, we want to see people live into all that God has for them um, and, and, and realize that, that the transformation that comes from Holy Spirit uh, should include things uh, like the way you speak about elected officials, uh, the way you speak to somebody who holds a di- different uh, political view or, or is part of a different political party. Yeah. But you you don't see a lot of difference between you know the mainstream world and followers of Jesus. I don't is that no that's that that's fair? good. And I think <clears throat> some of my frustration with followers of Jesus and politics has been that we <laughs> we promote more a politician than we do our savior. Mm. Um, we put more trust in a government than we do our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's troubling as a pastor to see those who claim Jesus to be their Lord and Savior do that. And so I think there's a little frustration as, as a pastor there. And, and that's, that's, I think, Christians in, in America in, right. in general. Now, not all of them. We're not trying to lump everyone together in that, but there is some frustrations where, um, hey, support your political candidate. I have no problem doing it, but... Um, please make Jesus more famous than your political candidate. Yeah. Um, and I, I, so over the next several episodes, we're going to, well, and, and bear with us, right? Because we will still have every other episode will probably be a message-based episode. So you'll have to just kind of pay attention uh, if you only want to listen to the political episodes or you only want to not listen to the political episodes. Um, but we're going to try to cover a, a, a range of ideas uh, so the, the, the title, if you will, which we don't normally title our, our episodes, uh, the title of today's podcast is uh, God and Government, kind of looking at what can we learn from Scripture about the role of government, uh, about does God have any ideas about government, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, the, the next political episode after this 
uh, we are going to uh, talk about the idea of give to Caesar. And this is our posture towards the government. What do you look? I can't wait. Like, yeah. <laughs> what is the Christian response and posture towards government? Uh, the, I can't the, wait for that one. The the third installment. And now, and bear with us too, if there's some overlap. Um, yeah. Again, this is this is this is a really quite the beast to try to tackle. It is. Uh, and again, please remember, we will do it as gentle as possible, and we are not experts. We're probably going to have to say that several times. And and I, we also want to say we we have an email address dedicated to this podcast podcast at the Radiant Church. If uh, after you listen to an episode, you think we are so far off base that we should get throat punched. Uh, instead of throat punching us, shoot us an email uh, and just let us know because we, we want to also have dialogue with you guys here. Because, uh, again, we're not claiming to be experts in any of this. Uh, we're just bringing some thoughts uh, to the table here today. Uh, the third episode might be one of the ones that gets us... Uh, it may be more toe-stepping. Yeah, it might be a little bit more controversial. Uh, we're going to talk about... In a good way, in a good way. Right. Uh, we're going to talk about the golden calf of nationalism. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's that. Uh, and then we'll finish it. We'll be uh, prayed up on that episode. We'll be really prayed sure. up on that one. So pray for us as we yes, navigate please these do. things. Uh, and then we'll finish it, which will probably be multiple episodes, on the game of red versus blue. Yeah. So that's just a little bit of a scope of where we're going in the event you're like, okay, what in the world are they doing with this whole series? Uh, that's what it is. And we apologize. We have to take longer on the front end to do a lot of disclaimers. Just Because we're in this together. Please realize we're in this together. And uh, we're not going to make it about one political party or another. We're in this together. And the reason why I say I'm really nervous is I told you before we started shooting, I don't have concrete answers. Mm. And that's what makes me nervous. It's because I don't. And so for those of you out there, you're navigating these crazy turbulent waters with this politics i'm going to tell you right now so am i and I'm, I'm sure so are you and we're trying to navigate but our best response is how are we jesus in the middle of all this yep. and and we know that it can be really confusing i listened to an hour and a half long debate yesterday between two really really smart followers of jesus one of them making a case that you should vote for Trump. One of them making the case that you should not vote for Trump. We know that there is so much conflicting uh, information out there that it can be hard to navigate. So again, we we know this is this is crazy. I We're on want, your side. We're on your side. We're trying to help help one another be like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, I, there it goes back. Be like Jesus. I, that's going to be our, our theme for this this series too. Um, I do want to draw your attention to some of the resources that have been brought to bear uh, as we navigate these series. And these are not things I'm an expert on. In fact, I'm still reading through a couple of these. Uh, one of them, and if, if you're watching the video, you can see this. Uh, There's a book by uh, Pastor David Platt called Before You Vote. Uh, I'm working through that one. It's seven questions every Christian should ask. Um, I'm, I'm about half to two-thirds of the way through with uh, Honoring God in the Red or the Blue uh, by Dr. Amy Black. Uh, there's a really, a really short but powerful read um, by uh, a guy named Mark Deaver called God and Politics. Uh, I think I got it on Amazon, just a short read. Uh, that comes into bear. And then before the series is over, 
there will be some references to the book God and Government by Chuck Colson, a guy pretty well respected in in Christian circles. Uh, he was a guy, I think he was part of the, the um, Nixon administration, okay. and he did some time, I think, for Watergate stuff, yeah. But anyways, but then he wrote about uh, faith and politics and what and what that looks like. So those are some resources. We know there are a lot of them out there. Um, those are a few of the ones that have, have come into the, the preparation for this episode. All right, that's a lot of disclaimers and a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> Just use a third of our time on disclaimers. This is this is going to be interesting. But let's. Are you ready, Ryan? Are you ready to buckle up? You're. I'm ready. We're just going to lay a quick overall foundation for the rest of the episodes. That's what this episode is. Yeah. About. Yeah. So yep. we won't we won't spend a third of the rest of the episodes uh, doing disclaimers. But Ryan, take us on a brief tour of Scripture. Right. As we navigate scripture, what forms of government do we see there? What does scripture tell us about government, about the role of government? What what can we learn? I'm sure I will miss some governments in scripture that pop up here and there. But um, you read scripture, there is a lot of governments or at least slash empires that you run into that would have some sort of governance model, right? Um, I'm just going to name a few here off the bat. Number one, you do have Egypt. We know God's people were enslaved there. Um, There's something there in Egypt that you reread um, in the book of Exodus and everything. You got that governance there. On top of that, you have an empire known as Assyria. Um, the Assyrians are in scripture. They have some sort of, and I don't know all their government stuff, but that's an empire that had some sort of governing body there. You run into the Babylonians. The Babylonians were there. Uh, you had the Persians show up, the, the Greeks. And then come by the time of Jesus, you have a very oppressive empire governing system known as the Romans. So all of those, um, and I'm, again, I'm probably missing a few here and there that, that may be, but you have uh, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, Persia, Greece, the Romans, all in scripture that was a governing body overseeing, yes, these were more empires than what we have now, that oversaw a large portion of the ancient world at some point. And we know at the time of Jesus, the Romans were ruling with a pretty oppressive thumb the ancient world. And there were some laws and some governing guidelines there that even Jesus spoke into. Yeah, yeah. And that, dun, I mean, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into some of that in, uh, in the next in episode. Um, yeah. But I mean, so with that, right, you, tell, you talk about Egypt. They use kind of throughout scripture they use language that we would probably associate with more of a monarchy model of government right although i don't know like i don't know enough about ancient egypt to know if they would have been considered like a true monarchy you know where you or you have a king um you know but even, but even the nation of israel you know we see them that's uh, true roundabouts in first samuel uh i don't remember what chapter but in first samuel Right, you see even the nation of Israel, who has previously been led uh, by 
judges. Before yep. that, they were led by Joshua. Yep. Before that, they were led by Moses. Moses. Uh, yep. You know, so so that was kind of a totally different model. They were much more of a the, uh, pretty much a straight up theocracy. Well, they were they were when when they got the three kings, they did right. We know the nation of Israel. What do they want to do? They want to look like all the other nations. They have kings. God, you know, even though God was like, "I'm your king, I'm the one," and they're like, "No, we want everyone else's government." So God said, "Okay, be careful what you ask for." So then he had King Saul, King David, and King Solomon. They were that was that was in the Israel's history. That's known as the monarchy. So that was a true monarchy model that Israel had, even though God warned, it's interesting, God warned them of that model. <laughs> Careful what you ask for, because King right. Saul, <laughs> uh, King David, good, made some bad choices, but a guy, a guy after God's own heart, and then his son, King Solomon, ended up under his reign, the kingdoms divided. And that's when the other empires come in and the other governments, uh, the Assyria came in in 722 BC. They conquered the Northern Kingdom, which was known as Israel. And then in 586 BC, the Babylonians came in and conquered Judah, which was the Southern Kingdom of Israel. Which let's, and, and this is, I don't know if tricky is the right word, right? But this does get into a little bit if we talk about the role of government in scripture. Right, you reference you know Assyria, you reference Babylon. These were governing powers that God used as tools of judgment on his own people because they ventured off the path. <laughs> yes. <You know? laughs> and he warned them very clearly. He um, <laughs> clearly warned them what consequences will happen if they don't Repent, come back to me. Repent, come back to me, right? Over and over. Repent, come back to me. Here's the consequences. Someone's going to come in and rule over you, and you're going to be exiles. But in that, we see God use a governing power. And I want to I jump in to Romans 13 here. You see God use a, a, a governing power that is horrible. I mean, the Babylonians were... Terrible, terrible people. They were one of the, the worst empires the, Assyrians, the entire world the has Assyrians ever seen. The were not, they were not known for their kindness and, <laughs> and <laughs> loving way of, of uh, dealing with people. Um, but yet these are uh, institutions, in a sense, that, that God used. Romans 13, verse 1, says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. And this is the key part here. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Okay. <laughs> Are you really going to go there right now? I don't know. Where do you think I'm going? Because Ask your question. I'll tell you. No, 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 no. Because I, because I do want to, I do want to tease out, and some of that we'll actually get into in the next episode when we talk about kind of our posture, what should our posture as followers of Jesus be towards government? Uh, Romans 13 deals with that a little bit, but right now I just want to talk about this idea that, that government uh, is only there because God allows it. This is, this is maybe a little, and I didn't have this in the notes, so I apologize. <laughs> I'm throwing you a curveball on an episode that we're already nervous about. Um, 
unless I just forget the question that I was going to ask. Maybe oh, Lord Spirit, willing, you will. <laughs> maybe Holy Spirit doesn't want me to ask you that question. <laughs> Dude, I totally drew a blank. That's awesome. Totally drew a blank. I'm relieved. If, if all authority doesn't, if, if authority doesn't exist unless it is established by God, is that the same thing as God doing all of the things that government does? Would you look at, I mean, we're in the United States of America. Does that verse mean that God has greenlit everything that our government does? No, I, I get, I get, I get, I get where you're coming from. I think the resounding answer to that question is no. Um, we know through that verse that God has established the authorities, but there is something in life called free will, and we live in a sinful, broken world. So those authorities can decide under free will and different things what's what now, if you will, what they're doing. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a hand in the establishment of the authorities. It just means now, hey, there's free will, and that politician may choose that out of free will and out of his or her own brokenness have that stance or leaning. That does not mean that's God's stance or leaning. That does not mean that God has green-lighted that, if you will, that policy, that law to be in place. Right. Yeah. Which, which I, I do think is an important distinction and and it's interesting too the way some people read Romans 13 we had um, on one of our our services on YouTube there was a commenter who because we talked about masks you know right now uh, I don't know when you guys are listening to this but we're still kind of in the in the mess that is COVID-19 I mean so we ask that people wear masks when they come into the building until they get to their seats here at church Uh, and there were there were people that were very angry about that and in this person's comment on YouTube they you know, which is you know clearly the most effective place to have meaningful dialogue. <laughs> Sorry, that was um, said tongue in cheek. By the yeah, way. that was. <laughs> um, you know, they they referenced Romans thirteen, and and they came at it and said, "Well, no, this means we only have to submit to authorities that are godly." And I was like, "Whoa, you got to go reread your Bible." No, that was that was. <laughs> That's 100% taken out of context. Right. And we'll get into without yeah, a shadow we'll, of a doubt. We'll get into more wrong. of that next week. But I, I you know I do think it's important to to look at this and say, yes, just because uh, authority exists authority does not exist outside of God. But at the same time Ryan you talked about free will. Our our governing authorities have a free will and they can choose to go against God's design. I mean, it's been that way from the beginning. Yes. I mean, Adam in the garden, you know, humanity chose to go against God's design. Yes. The thing that we need to remember is that the governing authorities will answer for anything they do that is outside of God's design. Yes. I will bounce back to Babylon, right? Babylon was not a tool of judgment. And then got away scot free. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. so, and and God actually talks about the ways He will deal with Babylon because of the way they've mm-hmm. treated His people. And it's like, whoa! Like, how does this? This is trippy. Like, <laughs> uh huh. So, so God can use it. He doesn't uh, orchestrate everything that they do, but ultimately they will be. 
held accountable for the decisions that they make and how that affected people for good or bad. Now, here's the kicker. And I just read this this morning as I was reading through David Platt's book. This Again, is fresh. This is fresh before you vote. So, so it's kind of a, a two-pronged thing because he says, we don't have an example of a representative democracy in Scripture. So for those of you that think that... That's 100% accurate. ...that democracy is the ultimate form of government... Um, <laughs> I'm, now, we have me. no form in Scripture that set that example right. I mean, of a and, democracy. It's not in Scripture. I'm not knocking democracy. I'm not knocking democracy. We're I mean, probably thankful at times for democracy. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, the fact, but, but here's where it, it becomes more weighty. And this is what Dave, I read, just read this this morning in David Platt's book, uh, Before You Vote. He said, because we are a representative democracy, we have a say and who those governing authorities are. So that being the case, we, you, me, Ryan, we bear some of the responsibility for whether or not the people in authority live into God's design or not. Yeah. I read that and I was like, oh, crap. Wow. No, that's so, that that is so powerful. And and I can I just say something? And I, I'm I'm not trying to get into next week's episode. We we knew there, we, we, please, knew, we knew there would be overlap. Yeah. yeah. Can we please, as as followers of Jesus, always remember the governing authority at the time of Jesus was the Roman Empire. Very oppressive. We have to constantly remember that. And please remember what Jesus always said: Give to Caesars. What's Caesar's? Yeah, I want, I want to just read this. Uh, he, David Platt sums up this session. I want to read what, one, of his, one of his sentences. He says, Consequently, as governing citizens, we are accountable before God for the good of people affected by our government. So there's, <laughs> there's a little ouch uh, moment yeah. from, uh, because cause quite frankly, even you know, going into this podcast, I don't think I had ever looked at it that way. No, that's, I had, I've I had, never heard of that until now, and that's actually pretty eye-opening. Yeah, so that's, that I was something that. As, I was, as I was standing in my kitchen reading that this morning, I was like, oh, man. Wow. Uh, because, you know, again, we know that the authorities will be accountable to God. We are part of that authority structure in a representative yeah. democracy. Uh, so, to I some think, extent, I think the, there's, we will be held accountable. There's a more weight to my vote now. Yes. Well, and you and just added a heaviness to my vote. Thank you very much, Pastor Josh. You you bet. <laughs> but now now I want to be careful though because I think it can be easy to, to hear that and and try to take an overly simplistic. It's not simple. Again, I'm only I'm only part of the way through this book. He's got he's got seven questions that he asks, and that's just from the first question. And my mind is blown. Uh, so, and that's hard because you know right now there's a there's a narrative out there. Hey, if you want change, get out and vote. It's not as simple as that. And I think you got to be very cautious of that mentality of, I just don't like who's in the White House. So I'm just, I got to make sure I get out my vote. You're going to be held accountable for who you are. Just, wow, that was good. That was good. Thanks for bringing in that perspective. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I do like that perspective. In scripture, we don't, we don't see a democracy almost all the time. It's an empire with a monarchy, the one ruler reigning and doing actually pretty. The governments we see in scripture are pretty evil. A lot of them. I mean, uh, even yeah. even over the history of Israel, 
I mean, they had a they had a horrible kind of a, kings, kind of a crapshoot, like as to yeah. Hey, is this king going to be good? Or is this king going to be like yeah. a total? You know, there were some good ones. Don't get me wrong. But oh yeah, majority of them were bad kings, yeah. not good kings. Yeah. yeah, which from a function standpoint, you know, we talk about the role of government. Uh, we do see, you know, if we bounce back to um, Romans thirteen, if we go, oh, I'm going to draw a blank. First uh, Peter, First Peter two. You know, we have let's let's talk just real briefly about the role of government as we see it in Scripture. Now, when when Israel wanted a king, you know, I mean, Samuel warned them. He brought them the word, the warning from God. Said, "Hey, listen, uh, you want this king? Great. He's going to tax the living snot out of you, <laughs> and even the good kings, right? I mean, you yeah. you think about the the." The taxes people had to pay under David as he was collecting all the materials for Solomon to build the temple. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, I mean, <laughs> they're not just giving away free cedar trees from Lebanon, ladies and gentlemen. And, and, and uh, please gonna, remember, it's got to be paid for somehow. King David it was a man after God's own heart. I think that's, that's what I want people, honestly, to say on my, in my funeral. Ryan was a guy after God's own heart. And here we have King David who's described as that. Taxing the snot out of people, just but that's, that is that's interesting. But that was one of the things as you as you see Israel transition from a, a theocracy, you know, to where and, and, and God tells Samuel that because Samuel actually has a little bit, little bit of a uh, little bit of depression, right? Because he's like, oh man, like bummer, like they don't want me anymore. And God tells Samuel, they're not rejecting you, Samuel, because Samuel was their he was their prophet, he was their their judge. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me as their king. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he institutes the, the monarchy. And, and with that, there is a, there's a protective uh, function. You know, hey, the king is the one responsible for making sure that we don't get invaded. Uh, the king is responsible for, you know, making sure that there's, there's civil order. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, again, man, you're going to be taxed out your ears, you know, like, you know, all these things. So we see that as, as kind of a role when, when Israel transitions. Uh, Paul talks about it. Again, I think it's Peter who talks about it in First Peter 2 that, you know, Paul says the government bears the sword. There is a, a corrective or a justice-oriented function to our government. Um, yeah, I don't know anything. You're thinking something over there. I was just thinking. Um, one of the things I wrestle with with our faith in politics is we vote very selfishly. Un- unpack that. Uh, what I mean by that is we vote what what is best for me. I think we ought to vote based on the greatest commandment: love God and love the, love others. That we should actually die to self and vote. We vote selfishly. What will I get out? of it. Um, and w- w- what's just stirring in my heart right now is I'm wrestling with this and I'm, I'm just, I'm speaking out my wrestling in my heart and in my head right now is that what did God say to Samuel? What you, you said, you spawned it in my head. You all want a king. They're being selfish. They had the king. The king of king and lord of lords is their king. They were selfish and wanted something. And I'm sitting there going, man, is that us too in the way that we vote? We are selfishly vote. We ought to always vote based on loving God and loving others. 
I don't know where I'm going with that. Again, I'm just wrestling. I'm pondering something that I don't haven't fleshed out all the way. Well, and, and again, I mean, we said it at the front end. I mean, this these episodes are probably going to be a little bit more conversational, a little bit, maybe a little bit even less structured because. Well, you, you talk, you know, taxes too, right? I mean, we'll vote. Well, that one's going to raise my taxes. That one's going to lower my taxes. Okay, I understand. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's selfish to vote that way, but that is a very me-centered vote. The way you want. I want to go. What's what's going to benefit my neighbor? Right. Will will me paying more in taxes have a, a, a an exponential impact on the people around me? Because good. if it will. I will say, go ahead and raise my taxes. That is probably now I'm going to get into one issue, and I just I will I will probably almost always support our school system. Mm. I think it's better for our as long as wise people with the money there. Um, I will always probably vote for those things because I want to see the betterment. I believe in education bettering communities you're talking about like you know uh every now and then on a ballot there'll be like a millage for hey like and hey our this, taxes are going to raise this a is little bit go up like three cents you yeah. know but if that but gives more technology in my yeah. neighbor's kids hands and they can learn better i'm I, i'm gonna vote for yes for my neighbor for the betterment of the community sorry i got off track but no that's, that's what right. i meant with right. we can get selfish like well that's my money don't take more out of my hands I'm going to vote if that's going to better you. I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'll, I will give more out of my hands if it's going to better you. There you go. I don't know where that. No, that, that's okay. Again, sorry. again, hey, conversational, conversational. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I want to get into something here, and this might be a little bit, uh, might stir the pot a little bit. But there are. It's going to be eye-opening. Well, where, which one are you looking at? Uh, I'm looking at okay. the second one. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> But but sometimes people will refer to the United States as a as a quote unquote Christian nation. First of all, how do you think we arrived at that conclusion? And do you think that this is an accurate label? Why or why not? Why you gotta put me on the spot? <laughs> well, um, again, honestly, honestly, because people people will probably listen to you a lot more than they will me because I'm okay. that so, bald headed youth pastor yeah. guy. <laughs> so remember, we're not poli-sci majors, all this stuff. We're not experts. Um, the thing that we are bringing into this conversation, we are followers of Jesus. We have done a lot of research, right? This is probably the most researched podcast we have done, reading books and everything. And number two, um, the one maybe professional thing I bring into this conversation is I do have a minor in history from a Christian college. So let's talk about, are we really a Christian nation or not? <laughs> I'm my junior year at my Christian college taking a course on American colonial history, the beginning of the history of America. And my follower of Jesus professor gets up first day of class and says, America is not built as a Christian nation. I remember sitting in class as a junior, third-year college student, minoring in history, going, what? <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that. I'm, now, now I've got my follower of Jesus professor, a Christian, sitting there saying, and he's, he's got his doctorate in history. I think he actually had it in, in early American history, colonial history, sitting there going, we were never built 
as a Christian nation. That is not who we are. I think some of us, and we, well, we're going to unpack that in a little bit too in this episode. I think, I think that there's this notion that we are because we believe our founding fathers, anytime anyone mentions the word God, we assume that must be Christian, right? We knew our nation was built on religious freedom. There is a significant, that's a, that was a significant factor in America. The founding of our nation was religious freedom. But if you read any of our founding fathers, it was all religions can find freedom in America, not just Christianity. Right, it was all religion. It really, if you think about it, I mean, they were, they were starting with kind of a blank slate. If they had yeah. wanted to make an explicitly Christian nation, they, they actually had that opportunity. They did. In, in, a, in, a, in, sense. in a sense. It in was, a sense. It was a clean slate. But. Now, the other is, do I think this is an accurate label? No, I don't. I personally think there are, we could probably say our nation was built on great values that could be Christian values and principles, but you and I had that conversation. Some of the values and principles that this nation was founded on, I think other religions could look and say, well, those are good too. Those are our values and principles. Right, which, I mean, is interesting because you, okay, try, I'll try to tread lightly. Remember, friends, we are all <clears throat> friends here. We are growing and learning with gentleness together. Right. There's, there have been times in our country where, let's say, outside of a courthouse, People have wanted to remove uh, a sculpture or whatever of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. That's, that was a recent one in the news in the last year and a half or so. But even looking at that, the Ten Commandments <laughs> was not a Christian document. The Ten Commandments. Now they are part of our they are part of our Christian scriptures. Don't write me podcasts angry at me that I that I said the Ten Commandments you know don't apply to Christians. Uh, but those were. Those were given to the Israelites. Those are that is part of the Jewish religious tradition. Yes. yes. So, so even looking at things like the Ten Commandments and saying, "Oh, look at it, it's Christian values." No, <laughs> those were those were handed down to the Israelites from <laughs> from God yes. uh, on how they were supposed to uh, conduct as a nation, uh, representing Him. But and, and what's interesting about that, let's go down that alley, because I was actually, because a lot of times when those documents, those, the Ten Commandments statue outside a courthouse is lifted, um, our brother, uh, some of our brothers and sisters of our faith get up very upset. My, my opinion is, in all this, you have to remember, we cannot put, if you will, our Christian values on people who are unbelieving. I need to put my Christian values on another brother or sister in Christ to make sure we're living into it. But outside a courthouse, you have non-believers as judges, as lawyers, as people working in a courthouse. We can't expect the non-believers to live up to our values and principles. I mean, Paul, Paul addresses that. Do we that. want them to? Oh, absolutely. Right, but we want them to do that as an, out, as an overflowing of them experiencing Jesus yes. and then living into that. Yes. Uh, Paul talks about that. I think it's in 1 Corinthians 5. You can correct me if, if I'm wrong. JB, you can yell at me if that's wrong. <laughs> I think, you know, he talks about, you know, hey, is, is it the church's place to judge those outside of the church? 
Uh, and he says, he says, no. Yep. He says, I mean, all, the, not that they won't ever be judged. I mean, they're, dude, they're going to have to stand before God someday yep. uh, and, and give an account. Uh, he says, hey, we have to deal with the people that are in the church, people yep. that, that have claimed the name of Jesus and are, are falling short of what Jesus calls them to. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk real, real quick here about the founding fathers. You, you hinted at it. I did. I and didn't go I, there because I knew it was a question. So and then I, and then I was I, holding back. Well, then, because then I took it down the Ten Commandments route. Oh, you're fine. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, what do we know about the faith of our founding fathers? Right. Again, <laughs> you're you're the you're the history guy. Um, you know, because in in some of these conversations about the U.S. being a Christian nation, there is this call back to like, oh, we need to get back to the faith of our founding fathers. But do can we, we please not? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that would Here's actually why. be a step in the wrong direction. Yeah. In that class, when that professor says we are not built as a Christian nation, for the next 16 weeks of American colonial history, I had to take, we had each of us had to take a founding father and do this huge research on it. I did Sam Adams, Samuel Adams, which was fun because. It's also a beer. You were telling me about the way you presented it. Like yeah. it, was, it was a fun tease. But um, we, all, we all had to do it. And um, throughout the class, though, what we were learning is, were some of our founding fathers Christians? Yes, they were. Um, there, I, I was reading even last night. We are still unsure of George Washington, our very first president. What was he? There's, there, we don't even uh, Mount his his um his historical site is Mount Vernon, even in that museum there. They're like we don't know. What's interesting is George Washington never proclaimed Jesus. Mm. He did God. He mentioned God, and he tried not mentioning God actually when he got into office. By the way, and that is from the Mount Vernon Museum that is all dedicated. That's where George Washington lived and all that stuff. He tried avoiding God in anything when he got into his position, which, by the way, he never even wanted to become the president of America to begin with, um, and he was our first. So he never do we have any documents he professed Jesus or ever mentioned the word Jesus. Um, many of our founding fathers, again, some were Christian, but many of them were actually what's known as deists. So many more more than more of them had the faith of deism now what is deism they believed in creator god but they believed that as soon as creator god created god stepped back from all creation and says i will have no supernatural hand in anything anymore so in a sense all they believed is creator god they believed more in human reasoning and they don't believe in the supernatural. Deists do not believe in Jesus. Some believe that Jesus was, was a real person, but, but a good, like, good moral person. Other deists believe, no, Jesus actually never existed. So uh, most of our founding fathers had that perspective. It was not Christian. They did not believe in the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world to the forgiveness of our sins. They did not. They held to this. There's a creator God that doesn't interact with humanity and creation. 
And that's, and I think that's, that's important. And for those of you that, and again, I would encourage you do, do research, do research, but I want to give you, and this is from uh, Dr. Amy Black's book, Honoring God uh, in the Red or Blue. Uh, she gives you like a little bit of a snippet. She calls it a reader's guide to 18th century religious language, because we might go back and read and think, oh, sweet. Hey, look at all these references to God. This is phenomenal. Uh, but she says, here, here are things that would typically reflect deism, nature's God, the grand architect, the great author, the great ruler of events, the universal parent, versus 18th century Christian language would use terms like Lord of hosts, Savior, Almighty God, all gracious providence, or our divine Redeemer. So, I mean, I think those are like, you're like, whoa, a lot of those are similar. Yes, they're similar, but, but uh, at the core, they're very, uh, very different. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's why just in normal life today in 21st century, I mean, you, people throw the, throw the link, oh, I believe in God. And we, we may, may many jump to the conclusion, oh, they must be a Christian. But it's like, no, hold on. They don't even, they don't follow Jesus. They've, they've never encountered Jesus as their Lord and Savior and surrendered over to them. They just throw that loosey-goosey language out there. So going back to a question, why do we think we arrived at the conclusion that the United States is a Christian nation? Because our founding fathers did throw out God. And, and that is, what you read was huge, understanding the language and the difference of terminology in the 18th century. So we're talking the 1700s when our nation was founded, 1776 when all that was transpiring and what was happening. And, and one of our major founding fathers, Ben Franklin, okay, adamantly denied Jesus and Christianity for the longest of time. Now, some will say on his deathbed he may have had an encounter and surrendered his life. We're not sure. But he was adamant that now there is nothing but human reasoning. Which, I mean, just again, if you, if you keep in mind those terms we just read, I just want to read the first couple of sentences from uh, a pretty important document in our country's history, uh, the Declaration of Independence. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. So there we have, right in the Declaration of Independence, and this is, again, a, a deist terminology mm-hmm. for God, not uh, Yahweh, our, the God that we would say, oh, like God the Father, God the Son, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah, I have a hard time, too, that when we're not even hearing the words Jesus, that, to me, is red flag. I often say, have a conversation around the water cooler at work. I think people are okay talking spirituality and this God, but you mention the name of Jesus? Oh, this could take a whole nother turn, and we don't have that. Yeah, yeah I mean, because God is, is, can be a pretty generic generic term that you know in in our conversation in our use today yeah you know i mean allah is the arabic word for god now i mean we know that's i mean there's there's but there are specific uh characteristics and attributes that would definitely set him apart from uh yahweh like (laughs) the one true god um yeah so so just the word the word god doesn't necessarily uh mean as much as what we uh think um okay 
Uh, we and we should probably wrap. We're wrapping I'm lo- up. I'm looking Last at the time. question. I'm like, holy Moses, we're going over. Well, um, these are going to. No, I know, I know, but <laughs> this is good. This is laying the foundation of understanding, and then we're going to get into more. Yeah, this is good. Ask this last question. Uh, so regardless of whether or not we are actually a Christian nation or not, and some of that could be fed by the polls. I remember a few years ago we were at a conference, and Ed Stetzer, super smart guy, he does boatloads with statistics. I mean, yeah. he's like, his brain's got to be three times the size of mine. Um, you know, And he's talking about this idea that 75% of the people in the United States at that time would say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you dial in, it's, it's, it's maybe a little bit different picture. Maybe from like a, uh, actually like your life is affected by your, your beliefs, it's, it's more like 25%. So not a majority. Uh, we, are, we are a minority yeah. uh, within, within the United States. But should it be a primary goal of followers of Jesus to enact change in our country through influencing government. Let me, let me, I mean, so, so, so should we, I, I grew up in the, and we've taught, we've had this conversation, right? Um, I grew up, you know, listening to a lot of like focus on the family, you know, Jim Dobson, good, great, or I'm not knocking that organization for those of you that listen, uh, fantastic organization. But to me, and maybe I'm wrong, this was my perspective as, you know, a, a kid, a teenager into young adulthood, you know, to me, it seemed like they put a lot of weight into followers of Jesus, uh, electing the right people, making sure that we support uh, legislation that is is grounded in biblical principles, making sure that we reject things that are not. You know, I mean, I remember it, not that this was necessarily from you know focus on the family, but you know, there'd be things like, oh, like, hey, we got to go boycott this thing because that doesn't reflect. Mm. you know, Jesus, or, hey, we have to, like, make sure we're really vocal against this because this doesn't reflect Jesus. And it was always just trying to influence uh, from the top down. Should we take a top-down approach in changing our country? I don't know. I don't Listen, know. I, I, I get... The only way our country is going to change is if we live into our calling and mission as followers of Jesus. Politics change policies, but Jesus changes hearts. And it will have to be with us. Lord willing, we get a candidate that knocks it out of the park, that's a deep, devoted follower of Jesus, that looks like Jesus. You're like, man, that person is anointed by him. We know it. And knocks it out of the park with the Jesus values and stuff. Lord willing, that would be awesome. And we could... There can be great changes or whatever, but reality is, <laughs> reality is of ever getting a, a candidate in politics that actually does that, like 100% is going to be pretty rare. I mean, I think we've had close representations here and there, don't get me wrong, but it's going to start with us, if you will, the analogy, the boots on the ground. Us as followers of Jesus, changing the hearts of people. Not us, actually, it's Jesus working through us, right? To change the hearts of people. That should be our primary goal. I think we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we've put maybe too much weight in government to make the changes and say, hey, if I vote that, that's just all going to change. 
and it's not all the time. The platform that candidates run on is to get elected. We know this. We know, we, we know this. Sometimes they run on a platform and they don't ever do what they say. But yet we've casted our vote because we thought that was their platform and they, they don't do it. If we're going to see real change in this world, it's going to be because we as followers of Jesus are reaching the people, not relying solely on the government. Right. Which isn't to say, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus and you feel like you need to run for office, run, run for office. Oh, absolutely. I, mean, I would, like, yeah, again, go, run it. It's, it's not a bad thing, like Ryan said, to have somebody who's on their knees before, before God, uh, you know, following the direction of the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a good thing. And, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in future episodes. But I do want to yes, put out this quote. This is another one from Dr. Amy Black in Honoring God in Red or Blue. She says, given, you know, regarding whether or not we should be a, a Christian nation or we should really seek to Christianize our nature, our nature, our nation, um, because we do that. We, we Christianize things, and we think it's, it's somehow better, like if we throw that label on it. I remember, dude, years ago, I walked into a, a quote-unquote Christian bookstore, right? And they have, like, Crocs with crosses on them. I'm like, what are these Christian Crocs now? Like, ha, huh, what a Croc. Ha, <laughs> ha, uh, uh, You see uh, what I did there? Uh, you see what I did there? <laughs> way to lighten the mood. Right. <laughs> but no, I want to I read this quote, and then I think we'll wrap it up, because we've got to... Yeah, uh, we'll wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, we've got to... Get this, get this one uh, done. But, <laughs> but Dr. Amy Black says this, given the religious diversity of the United States, we should not expect everyone to accept nor to embrace political arguments that appeal exclusively to Christian principles and doctrine. So support, uh, support policies that are in line with what God calls us to. Absolutely. But don't be a jerk bag to people who don't see it that way. I don't know. Is that is that fair? I don't know. I would say we should respond to Jesus even for those that don't have our view. Right. I we are still always called to love them. And right. we can't love well when we're hating them because they don't subscribe to our view. And we're gonna I mean, we'll really drill into that in uh the fourth and probably fifth episodes. Because uh, you and I, we, you and I are going to have fun. There are some views even you and I disagree with. Correct. Yeah. You think you're representing Jesus's view and I think I'm representing Jesus's view. Yeah, and we've fun. had this conversation for <laughs> 10 years, yet we can still be friends. So we're going to get into that and we still love each other and we respond lovingly to each other, even though we adamantly disagree on a very particular view. Um, we're going to have fun, and yeah. I think this is a good foundation to get us going on this, um, on this Faith in Politics podcast. I, and I hope for those that are watching and listening, this has been helpful just to understand some background into Scripture. What do we see as far as governments in Scripture? And understanding, okay, as, as a nation, are we really Christian? Are we not? What were our founding fathers? And then now that we kind of set that, we're going to dive in deeper and understand a little bit more. And eventually we'll get into maybe some tough issues that maybe for some of those listening and viewing, maybe they're wrestling even at home. And then how can we disagree with the neighbor that is voting the opposite political party? You may have the flag and wear the hat, but they got the other sign in their yard. That's right. How do we and still love? And their bumper sticker has a name on it you don't like. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Hopefully you were able to hang with us. This was a longer episode. Um, 
But uh, this has been episode 36 of Radiant Reflections. Again, if you have questions, thoughts, comments, any sort of feedback uh, on this, shoot us, shoot us an email, podcast at theradiantlife.church. Uh, we would love to engage uh, in more conversation with you about what we're talking about here. So shoot us an email. Otherwise, join us next time. Again, remember, we're going to do a little bit every other. So if you want to just catch the next political episode, uh, that'll probably be episode 38. But, uh, but man, all the episodes are good. So just hang with us for all the episodes. Uh, but thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.